you have your Bibles, open to the book of Genesis chapter 24. Genesis chapter 24. If you are a student of the Word of God, I hope you understand there's going to be times you read the Scripture and you're going to see what God is saying in a literal sense. And it's going to make complete sense to you. And you understand it in a literal sense. But there's times that God will go deeper than just what's on the page. And he wants to show you more with an understanding. It's like in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We understand that. But also we understand that God created Adam. And Adam was the first man. And Adam chose to disobey God. And Adam sinned. And Adam was cast out of the garden. Well, the Hebrew name for Adam is Ish. And his name means man. Therefore, Adam, going deeper than just the literal what you see on the page, Adam was the first man, but Adam represents every man, and every single one of us, we've done what Adam did. We chose to go our way, we chose to do our own thing, and we also have faced the repercussions of being sinners apart from God because of that choice. Because, you see, it's more than just what's first written on the page, it goes deeper to an application to our heart. And when you come to Genesis chapter 24, we find the story about a wedding. The story about a marriage. The story about one who who was looking for a bride and, and God made a way and God made provision. Look what it says in Genesis chapter 24, verse 1. And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said unto his eldest servant of his house that ruled over all that he had, put a I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. Father, we pray this morning that you give us understanding of your word. But Father, more than that, we pray that you just move freely by your Holy Spirit, dealing with our hearts. God, open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, Father. But you just work mightily, Father, this day as you are already. God, help us, God, to be sensitive to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everything in the Old Testament is always pointing to the coming of Jesus Christ. Everything about the Old Testament prophecy is about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, coming to this earth in order to save sinful man, save you and to save me. And now we look for the second coming of Jesus Christ to come again, to take us home to glory, to be with him forever and forever. And so when you look at Genesis chapter 24, you find the story of Abraham and Isaac and the servant going to find Isaac a bride. And I find it interesting as you look at this story, because as you look here, the servant's name is not mentioned here in Genesis chapter 24. But if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, you will realize who the servant is. The servant is Eliezer. But the servant, not mentioned here in Genesis 24, he is a type of the Holy Spirit. He represents the Holy Spirit because what happened is the servant was sent by the father and the servant was sent by the father to find his son a bride. And the servant went to a far country to find his son, uh, uh, the son of the father, a bride. And isn't that what Jesus came to earth from? He came from a far country. He came from all the way to glory. He came hunting for his bride. He came hunting for the church. And the reason that we have to understand this is, is, is you and I as the body of Christ, as believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, as the church of the living God, we are the bride of Christ. And so the servant is a type of the Holy Spirit going forth seeking the bride for the Son. 
The father, we see Abraham, he represents holy God. He is a type of God because of what he is doing in the passage. And and Isaac, he is a type of Christ, the son. And, And he brings this to us so that we can understand there is going to be a relationship that takes place. And the first thing that the servant does, if you continue to read your text and you look over there, is he prays and he asks the father for wisdom. He asks the father, in verse 12, if you look there, it says, and he said, Oh, Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee. See, the first thing that the Spirit of God is wanting to do is come on our behalf and he intercedes on our behalf with groanings and utterings that we cannot speak. Have you ever been to a place in your life, a situation in your life, where you find it hard to pray? Have you ever felt like you don't sense God's presence? You don't sense God's power moving? You don't sense anything in your life? You don't even feel like you're a Christian today. Anybody ever been there? Aren't you glad you're not saved by your feelings? You're saved by faith in what the Word of God says as you acted in repentance to what God's Word says? Because, guys, if it was all about feelings, none of us would be right with God. Because feelings are fickle. They come and they go. It can be sunshiny like it's been this weekend. Thank goodness it's not raining. It hasn't been for the last five weeks. It's been sunshiny. We all feel good because of the sunshine. But hear me. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not based on your feelings. But hear me. When we look at the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, we see He intercedes on our behalf. And when we can't pray for ourselves. He works inside of us with utterances and groanings. You ever had that happen? About 2005, I was in a revival meeting and God poured out in a mighty, mighty way. At the end of the meeting, there was a group that gathered around me, a man and his wife primarily, and they said, we want to pray over you. And they started praying prophetically almost over my life. And they said, the devil wants to kill you. And I thought, well, that's not a real good way to pray for me, but I understand what you're saying. And it wasn't very long after that that, that that I go home and I get struck with kidney stones. Anybody else deal with kidney stones besides me? I mean, I've passed about 20 of them. This microphone is already causing me problems. I can't keep it on here. I'm breaking it. That might be the problem. It sounds like there's a bass drum up here beating. No idea where I am in the sermon. Goodness sakes. Put this in the pocket. All right. Where was I? Kidney stones. Y'all remember kidney stones? You give birth to a kidney stone, man, you've had a baby. All right. I've had about 20 of them. They are so bad sometimes. I can pass them now and they don't even hurt. Now, I don't mean to bring anything bad upon my life, but I've passed some monsters, and it's just like, where'd that come from? But I guess after so many, you stretch out the whatever, and it comes out easier. <laughs> you ever stretch out the whatever? Man, we're off track, aren't we? We're way off track. I had a kidney stone that was the size of the end of my thumb. And they did lithotripsy, and it did not work. And so they said, we're going to do a nephrostomy. I didn't know what a nephrostomy was. They go in a nephrostomy, they cut into your back, into your kidney, and then they take a laser in there, and they physically crush the stone to whereby it's impassable pieces. Well, the problem is, when they did a nephrostomy, they told Char, it's going to last a couple of hours, and I'd be fine. Eleven hours later, they bring her back into the intensive care unit because they hit an artery, and I lost seven units of blood. I'm laying there in intensive care, and I've got these airbags around my legs, around my arms, and it's pushing what little blood I have left to keep my vital organs working. Guys, I couldn't pray for myself. 
but I had people praying for me. I don't remember anything about it. I woke up and I told the lady to turn that heater off. I was burning up. I didn't know she was keeping me alive. But see, the Holy Spirit, he intercedes on our behalf when we can't pray for ourselves. And there's times in life you're going to find yourself in a situation where you don't even know how to pray. You don't know what to say. You're not even capable of uttering words into heaven. But we've got the Spirit of God who comes on our behalf. Just like the servant, the first thing he did, he prayed to the Father. He said, Father, I need your assurance. I need you to guide me. And so he prayed. He said, Father, let the lady who comes us to be the husband, to be the wife of Isaac, my, my father's son, let her be the one that draws water for my camels. Now, as you read the story, Isaac, or not Isaac, the servant had ten camels he brought with him. Anybody know anything about camels? All right, I'm wide open. I can say anything I want to about camels because nobody knows anything about camels. See, see, so, so this lady comes out. They drink between seven and 25 gallons of water when a camel is thirsty. And they suck it down really quick. And so here it is. He says, let the lady who comes out and waters my camels be the one that goes back to the, to the sun and becomes the bride. Now, ladies, get the picture. Here he comes walking down with that jug on her shoulder. And she sees the servant. And she says, let me give you something to drink. And I'm going to get your camel something to drink also. Do you know what she committed to? She could have made 100 trips with that water pot to the well, getting water for the 10 camels that were standing there. She committed herself, not even knowing this person. She committed herself, not even realizing what she was doing. Why? Because God was using that to show forth this was to be the bride. This was to be the one that you're looking for. And all of a sudden, when the servant sees that and she waters all these camels, it says he takes out an earring and puts it on her ear and it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and he says I want you to come follow me and I want you to go to a place that you've never been and I want you to marry a man you've never seen I want you to trust me isn't that what God did when Jesus came to this earth he came from a faraway land and he says I want you to trust me I want you to follow me and faith comes by hearing and we say yes Lord Jesus so you see in this story, you see the father, Abraham, he represents God. And how did he represent God? If you go back to Genesis chapter 22, he took the son Isaac up on that mountain and he was going to offer him as a sacrifice. And you see Isaac, he willingly yielded to the father's will. He went up that mountainside and he willingly yielded to the will of the father. And you see, see the servant, the servant goes into that far country hunting the bride. And you understand that the Holy Spirit has come hunting for your life and he hunted for my life. And you remember when he spoke to your heart, he said, won't you come to me? Won't you let me wash you? Won't you let me cleanse you? Won't you come engage my, my master, the Lord Jesus Christ? He come from a faraway place to save us, to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And then you find Rebecca, she represents the church, those who are saved. And I've preached this real short introduction just to talk to you all about camels. Because what does the camel represent? Abraham represents the father. Isaac represents the son. The servant represents the Holy Spirit. Rebecca represents the saved, the, the church. But the, but the camels, if you look over in your Bible... It says, it says there in verse 63 or 61, And Rebekah rose and her damsels, and they rode upon the camels, and they followed the man. And the servant took Rebekah and went 
his way. What's the camels? The camels represent grace. Now, now I struggle trying to explain this, but grace is sufficient. But we treat grace today as if God winks at our sin. He doesn't. And and we act like you can do anything you want, live any way you want, believe anything you want, and and God's grace is going to always be there. But you have to understand, to access God's grace, you have to be submissive to God's Word. Because you see, God resists the proud, and He gives grace to the Humble, And so if you are to know the grace of God, if you are to access the grace of God, there has to be a submitting in your life to the Word of God, the very person of Jesus Christ. Because apart from that, all you've got is this fictitious idea of what grace is. Because hear me, grace will save you, and grace will change you, and grace will wash you, and cleanse you, and make you whole, and grace will give you purpose beyond yourself. Grace works! It works inside your heart. It works inside your life. And here was this camel. And this camel, it represents the very grace of God. Because grace will carry you. And just as it carried Rebecca all the way to the Master, grace will carry you. Now you understand that about camels. Camels are six to ten feet tall. How in the world do you get on the back of a camel and let it carry you? My body's not built to climb on a camel. How about yours? My body's built for potlucks and homecomings. It's not built to crawl up on a camel's back. But a camel, he gets down on his knees. And when he gets down on his knees, a little kid can crawl up on the back of a camel and hear me. What I can't do for myself, holy God does by His grace for me. He brings it down to my level whereby I can reach out, grab hold, get hold, get on, and grace will carry where I can't take myself. But I've got to submit. I've got to submit my life to the Word of God. I've got to submit my life to what the Word of God says. A camel is known as a ship in the desert. Do you know why they're known as a ship in the desert? They can carry a thousand pounds plus the passenger. Sometimes in life I've got burdens I don't think I can carry. How about you? Sometimes in life I go through difficulties I don't think I can deal with. How about you? See, what happens is God says, my grace is sufficient to carry you if you submit to me. My grace is sufficient to see you through if you'll let me. Hear me, my friends. He will carry the burdens of life. He will carry us through all the way. When it's too heavy, He says, my grace will carry you through. And they carry us. Camels have leathery pads on the bottom of their feet and they kind of spread out when they walk. Now, why would they do that? Because when a camel is walking through the sand, it, it keeps them from sinking. And as we walk through life, sometimes we start sinking, right? We start going down and we don't know how to get back right up because, you see, the camel says, you get on my back. And he said, I'll carry you through to the other side. I'll carry you through those hard places. I'll carry you over things that you can't get over yourself. That's what grace does. Do you understand how it works? I don't. All I know is when God saved me, He promised me, He secured me. He said, I'm going to carry you. And we're going to face things. And we're going to face difficulties. And we're going to face challenges. And He says, my grace will carry you. Through many dangerous tools and snares, I have already come. Grace glides over the things of life. It's not that they don't hurt. It's not that they're not difficult. But God says, my grace is sufficient. My grace will carry you all the way through. If you'll trust me, if you'll submit to me, if you'll access my grace, he comes down to our level. He gets where we can get to him. He says, won't you just get on board? 
Won't you just let me carry you through life? It's not that we won't face difficulties and dangers and challenges. He says, but I'll carry you all the way through. And, and you understand, camels drink lots of water. When a camel opens up his mouth, my friends, they, they, they drink lots of water. And it, they drink it quickly. And it goes inside their stomach. And when that water goes inside their stomach, it... it sits there for a while and then it goes out into the muscles that run all through their body and it gets into the bloodstream and, and here's what happens when, when they run low on water that's in their stomach they constrict their muscles and it gives a little bit more water whereby they can keep on going a little bit longer isn't that the way grace is Amen. you understand god doesn't give grace in advance he gives grace at a time of need you won't have dying grace until you come to that dying moment you understand that? And when the moment comes up, God says, I'm going to release in your life what you need right now. None of it's going to be wasted. None of it's going to be lost. And my grace is sufficient no matter what you're going through. And when you face the difficulties and when you face the challenges, at that moment, my grace will come forth. At that moment, it will come forth in your time of need. You just have to stay with the grace. You just have to stay submitted to the Word of God. You just have to stay yielded to the very person, Jesus Christ. There was a lady from church. She got sick. She was put into the hospital. And people from the church were going by to see her. And they said, What's the test say? What's the test say? And they said, all of a sudden the lady said, I can't tell you because they said they're waiting until the blood comes back until they find out what's in the blood. Let me tell you what's in the blood. The blood says there's forgiveness of your sin. The blood says there's cleansing of your sin. The blood says there's purpose. The blood says there's hope. The blood says there's eternal life in Jesus Christ, my Lord. You can survive anything with the grace of God. You may not make it Luther on this side, but you'll make it through to the other side. And it's the other side that we're worried about, isn't it, guys? It's not this side. We're not going to live here forever. We're all going to die. But one day, soon and very soon, we're going to be going to the Father. And we want to meet Him, my friends, filled with what He has given us. He says, my grace. And so here's this big old camel, six to ten feet tall, drinking all kinds of water, big leathery pads on his feet, guiding us through the difficulties of life, carrying us across the hardships of life, releasing His grace in our life just at the time of need. And you understand a camel lives in the desert many times. And when a camel lives in the desert, you know what happens in the desert? There's a lot of heat. There's a lot of discomfort. There's even sandstorms. But God says, you stay on that camel. You stay with the grace of God. And sometimes when you're on the back of that camel and that heat's beating down on you, most people who are riding camels, they wear turbans. I hate to tell you that, but they do. Why do they do with their turban? When it gets really bad, they'll unwrap the turban and they'll wrap it around their face to shield their eyes. You know what a camel can do? A camel can look up into the sun and keep on going. Why is that? Because a camel has brushy eyebrows. A camel has big old brushy eyebrows and a camel has two rows of eyelashes. What does that mean? That means when you can't look up, the grace of God can keep on looking up. And as long as you're on the grace of God, it's going to guide you through the difficulties. It's going to guide you through the storms. You just hang on to the grace of God. He's going to see you to the other side. And when you can't see, my friends, you just trust grace to get you through. Trust grace to sustain you. Trust grace to watch over you because He will watch over you. And when the sandstorms come, you take that turban off and you wrap your face in it. What's that camel do? That camel closes one set of eyebrows, eyelashes. Because he can still see even in the storms of life. 
And when you can't see, you still trust grace to sustain you. You still trust grace to do what God has called you, God has equipped you to do. A camel always knows where he's going. And when you hang on to the camel, my friends, you hang on to the grace of God, he will guide you to the other side. He will get you to where you're supposed to be. See, that's camel. When when he cannot get you uh, through that storm, that camel will close that second layer of eyelashes. And when he closes that second layer of eyelashes, the storm is really bad. He will get down on his knees. Listen to me. You may not understand what's going on in your life, but you know sometimes you're going to find yourself, all you can do is get down on your knees. And a camel, when he gets down on his knees, he lays down on his stomach, he always rolls to the left side. And you and I, when that happens, when grace gives us a landing, we roll off and we hunker up close to that camel because he will shield us through the storms. He will shield us through all the stuff that's coming at us. Why? Because grace will see us through. Grace is sufficient. Grace will work. But you've got to meet God's grace. And that's only by submission of your heart to Jesus Christ. So that camel, he's got this massive thirst. He's filled with water. He's got these big old pads on the bottom of his feet that are leathery that guides us through the difficulties of life. He's got this row of eyebrows that he can see amidst the brightest sun and the heat doesn't bother him. He's got two layers of eyelashes that can block the sandstorms and all that comes at him. And and when it's so bad, he gets down, my friends, we just hunker up beside that camel. We hunker up with the grace of God and he will sustain us. He will guide us all the way through to the other side. Because if you don't, when a camel goes down, he goes down to his left side. That means we go and we roll off on the right side. Do what's right. According to what the Bible says. Don't do your own understanding. Don't lean into your own understanding. Don't do what you think. Do what the Word of God, what the will of God says. And grace will sustain you all the way through. Why? Because we are saved by grace. Through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And to access God's grace, we do not wink at sin. We recognize that it's freely extended to us, forgiveness and mercy and hope. And we respond by submitting our lives unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Submitting our lives to the Lord. Let me ask, have you submitted your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to the very will and plan of God? Because, see, that's the only way we're going to make it through. As we yield ourselves day in and day out to what the Word of God says. There was a Christian lady. She was, she was dying in the hospital. Her mommy was lost. Her daddy was lost. Her whole family was lost. And here she was, a committed Christian lady. Had prayed for the move of God, the healing of God in her life. But it had not taken place as of yet. And she lay there in that hospital bed. The doctor called all the family in. And they came there to the hospital room. They gathered around that bed. And the doctor said to that family, there's no hope. There's nothing else we can do. And for two days they waited and they waited and nothing happened. She was in a coma lying there. And here it was. This daddy was lost. The mama was lost. And they were looking there saying, what good has God been to her now? What good has Jesus been to her now? The pastor shows up. He had been out of town. And he shows up. He comes to the hospital. And that daddy met him in the hallway. He said, my baby's dying. My baby who said she trusted Jesus. She prayed for healing. Is dying. Where's your God? Now that puts a preacher in a hard spot when you've got a family acting like that. Because all you know to do is say, say, he's around here and he'll show up at some point. He's going to be here. 
and that daddy, he, he was angry, he was bitter, and he kept questioning that preacher and that pastor. He goes in that room, he gathers there with that family, and, and they're all in, in this pain and all in this hurt because this one that they love, she's dying there about to pass into eternity. And these people don't know Jesus, and, and that preacher's looking, and he feels like the weight of the world is on him because he doesn't know what to say. A lot of times we don't have a clue what to say. You ever been there? Somebody asks you a hard question, you don't know what to say. And that pastor all of a sudden, he felt like a quickening by the Holy Spirit. And, and he said, we need to gather around this bed. And we need to come and gather around this bed. And they got around the bed. And, and that preacher said, said, we need to listen to one of our favorite verses of Scripture. And, and he starts to recite Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And all of a sudden, heaven just entered into that preacher's heart. And he couldn't even speak. And all of a sudden, they're standing there, and it goes about 20 to 30 seconds. And when you're standing up here for 20 to 30 seconds and nothing's coming out, everybody's just kind of looking at you. That family doesn't know what's going on. They're just looking at that preacher, but he can't speak because God is filling his life. Tears are running down his cheek, and he can't say a word. And all of a sudden, that little lady, she raises her head, and she says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul for his name. And yea, though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You comfort me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And she recited a whole chapter. And she laid her head on that pillow. And that preacher said, God has showed up. And mommy and daddy's done on their knees crying out to the Father to save them and to forgive them because grace showed itself right there. And they didn't understand it. But see, if you read on in this chapter, grace carried her by these camels all the way to Isaac, the son. And it says there, when they carried him to Isaac, the son, he looked, he saw her, she looked, she saw him, and then he looked and he says, I'm home. You understand, and I have a hard time grasping this, there's going to be a time that we don't need grace. I, I can't imagine it, can you? There's going to be a time where, when we go into glory with the Father that, that, that we're not going to need grace anymore because it's there, everything's there. It, it, it's, see, and that's the thing about grace. Grace will sustain you. Grace will carry you. Grace is sufficient for you. But you've got to stay looking to the Father, yielding to the Father, trusting the Father. Because one day, the Father's going to look over to the Son and He's going to say, Son, go and get my children. And all of a sudden, the Son is going to say to the angels, get the horns ready, and they start blowing and the trumpet blast and all of a sudden those who are alive are caught up with him in the air to meet him forever will be with the Lord. Why? Because his grace is sufficient. His grace will see us through. His grace was given for us. Will you trust his grace? Will you yield to his grace? Will you surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? If you don't, if you don't, so what are you living for? I want the best life I can possibly have right now, preacher. All right. In 20 years, it's going to be different. When you're 90, it's not going to be the same. But see, as your body gets older, as you know God is your Savior, the inner man is renewed day by day. And you're stronger. Though you're physically, you're declining, you're physically going down, that inner man is built up in faith. Why? Because the grace of God has sustained you. 
So let me ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Do you know the grace of God? And I'm not talking about, have you said, oh yeah, I've said a prayer. I've been baptized 14 times. I'm asking, have you ever met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you yielded your heart to Him? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins and come into your life? And has He changed you? Has He changed your want to? Has He changed your desire? Have you adjusted your life, your behavior, your attitude, your lifestyle unto Him? Why? Because hear me, when grace comes in, grace works. Grace changes. Us. Grace moves us. Grace ignites us. Grace excites us. We have the grace of God extended this morning. Man, don't resist it. Come to the grace of God. He offers it. But you've got to respond. Father, we bow before you. We ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would just touch us, God, in a way right now that we understand with full assurance that we're saved. Or, God, we understand right now we're lost. Father, I pray, God, that you help us to realize that your grace will carry us. Your grace will sustain us. Your grace will see us through. Father, I pray that you teach us, God, how to, how to trust your grace, how to trust your mercy, how to know you, Father, and walk with you. And, Lord, I pray, God, through the storms that we go through, through the difficulties that we go through, Lord, that you will be the one that guides us as we yield control of our life to you. Oh, God, you work mildly this day. Oh, Father, demonstrate yourself this day. Stir us, God. Give us a fresh sense of your joy. Give us a fresh sense of glory this day, God. Oh, God, you just exalt. Obey God. The altar's open. As we stand together, obey God.